Hi, it's Chris Watkin here, and I'm joined by one of the most well-known estate agents in the UK, Mr. Ian Macbeth from Advocado Property. Ian, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Um, I would like to talk about the Ian Macbeth's estate agency story up to this point, 2021, the ups and the downs, the fears, the frustrations, the hopes and the dreams that hopefully we can help the boys and girls out there in estate agency land. Uh, learn from from your mistakes and also learn from your wise choices as well so ian you're a 37 year old estate agent roll the clock back when did you want to become an estate agent Two thousand and three is when I started okay. agency. Um, I was a fitness instructor before that. Followed my dad in the fitness route, um, and I used to train on my on her lunch break. The HR manager at the company I ended up staying at for sixteen years, and um, she used to tell me, "Oh, you you could go and do estate agency. You, you come across really well." And I kind of got to the point where money wasn't exciting in the fitness industry anymore, and I saw what people were doing in estate agency and thought. Let's do that. So that moment was the moment I made the decision. So how old are you? 18, 19 years 19. old? 19. 19. Yeah. Okay. So you were, you were giving people rollickings about uh, their fitness and their, and their dumbbells and all that malarkey. And you decided to move to the dark side of the state agency. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think at that point as a 19-year-old, it was potentially the money that was interesting you? Uh, 100%, yeah. I had two friends in it, in, in the state agency, and I was working from five o'clock in the morning till lunch breaks, coming back in the evenings to train clients, earning 12 grand a year. They were earning four or five grand more than me at the time, and they were doing set hours, routines, patterns, driving nicer cars, and so that was the appeal at 19 years old, yeah, definitely. So you went and joined uh, an estate agency in which town? Uh, in Berkshire. In Berkshire. Yeah, okay. so my home village at the time is where I started. Okay, what was junior neg, neg? Trainee. Yep. Trainee. So making cups of tea and sticking photos on brochures. Yeah, I went through a few pairs of shoes over the first couple of months. Leaflet dropping the village over and over again was pretty much my dominant sort of role for the first okay. four weeks at least. So you get your knuckles wrapped and the, yeah, and the yep, dogs yep. nibbling at them. We've That's all been it. there, mate. Yeah, yeah. What did, what did you like about those first early years as a neg? in the state agency? I think I, I love talking to people. You get that in the fitness industry. You talk to a different variety of people. Um, so I enjoyed that part of the industry. I also enjoyed, at the time, the kind of the competitive nature of it as well, internally within the business. Um, and I bought quite into that kind of culture of ambition. You could clearly see there was a ladder that you could climb. You went from one level to the next, to the next, to the next. So. That part of it being an ambitious and competitive person, I quite liked. So when did you go from valuer to lister? So I moved up the ladder quite quickly. I moved from the village office to the to the big flagship office and ended up running that office within two and a half years. Um, wow, so a 21, 22-year-old. Yeah, yeah, just before I turned 22, um, I was running the and big office. And this was 2000 and? 2005, end of 2005. So the market was going quite well at this time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did did you see yourself as a, at that point that a state agency was in the blood and you weren't going to go anywhere else? Yeah, I think it it's that scenario where you talk to all of your family and friends about a state agency till they're bored. When you're down on the coast, you're looking at boards. When you're in Spain, you're looking at an estate agency shop window. So it was it was embedded in me. I was addicted to it. Well, I mean, what 
What do you love about the state agency? I love property, I love people, and I love the fact that every day is a different day. When you're in the fitness industry, you look at the clock and it's just routine, pattern, whereas agency is, is different. And I think I'm quite an analytical person that likes to solve problems. And I always see a state agency as a variety of different solutions to try and find for client or staff, really. As a 21, 22-year-old running a flagship branch, and um, I visited that branch seven or eight years ago, and I know damn well it's a huge operation. Did you feel, how did you cope with the fact that you were dealing with people who were probably twice your age? When I found out it was an option to take the office, I went home. I lived at home with my mum. I cried because I was scared. Um, she gave me a little bit of confidence, which I had anyway. I knew I was going to make the decision, but it was quite... Sometimes you need to hear it from somewhere else. Don't yeah, you? it was just like, wow, okay, this is, this is happening. For exactly that reason, there's people there that have got kids, mortgages, and you're going to be their manager. You're going to okay. be someone who's responsible for that. So it was quite overwhelming. But, you know, someone who's a damn good valuer doesn't necessarily make them a great branch manager. Did you fall into any traps when you did make the move into branch managership? It was a strange one because I was always a stronger negotiator than probably I was a valuer at that age. Maybe because I was young and looked young, um, but I was always stronger in the office. I was always that figurehead in the office where everything was going through me. So I think my transition into management wasn't as difficult as a lot of valuers find. Because a lot of you must have seen it where shit hot, red hot valuer becomes branch manager and bombs. Yeah, yeah. Because to be a good valuer, you have to be good with yourself. You have to be confident, focused, and it's about you in the living room with the client. Yeah, persuading them to use your services. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's a different set of skills managing a team? Two different types of managers I've always found is you've either got that person, show the way, captain's armband, lead by example, or captain's armbands creating a team where you are the least important person within that team. That was my style. That was how I like to operate. Do you think most estate agents are like you, or do you think they're more like the first one? Probably more the first one. Yeah, okay. probably more the first one. And where did you get that skill, that empathy, that it wasn't all, and lack of ego, that it wasn't all about you? Because let's be honest, most estate agents, it is all about them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, a, it's an interesting industry that we work in because it is disliked for maybe that very reason unfortunately my skills came from I don't know my mum worked on the airlines so at a young age I was I had a younger brother I was had to learn how to cook and maintain the household very quickly dad wasn't with us so I was the man of the house very quickly so maybe in a younger part of my life my upbringing I was more responsible than I needed to be at that age so well, and what did your mother teach you about how to deal with other people because they do actually say people who work in the airline industry actually make some of the best estate agents but what did your mother teach you my mum's from Doncaster not too far oh, away South Yorkshire yeah hence the and the surname Macbeth her family's all Scottish so she's chatty like she'll talk to anyone and she's a she's a nice person that would help people so I saw growing up to be confident to talk to anyone and also to do the right thing and to be a nice person to people. Um, so she probably installed those traits on me very quickly. And I think from an agency point of view, probably the reason why I climbed the ladder so quickly 
was because I was different to a lot of the other in, to a lot of the guys in the industry. What would your message be to estate agents who are a little bit more self-centered? I would always say to everyone in any walk of life, be yourself. Don't don't copy the guy or the girl next to you that's winning the awards or winning the champagne on the Friday. Be yourself because I think it's it's very difficult in a estate agency for people to not follow that path of another mm. person's journey. If you see a boss who's basically, I had someone a couple of weeks ago on the sofa and they want, <laughs> she was promoted to be the manager and because they didn't like the person who was being a bit of a bully, but as soon as she became the manager, she became the bully. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easily done and it's difficult because if you get all of the same types of personalities in one office, mm. the whole office just implodes. Okay. If you don't mind me saying, as someone in his early 20s, having that a level of self-awareness is, is pretty darn good. Do you put it down to anyone else apart from your mum? Um, I guess if I really unraveled it somewhere, I could probably break it down into different ways. But I've always been the person in the friendship group that was the organiser. You know, I was always that person. If we wanted to go and do something at 12 years old, I was the one who got it organised. If we wanted to go on a lad's holiday, I was the one who got it booked. Um, so maybe it's just something that's inside me that I make decisions quickly and I act quickly. Um, and therefore you get to the answer much faster. Okay, so you're a, branch you're a boss person of, of the flagship branch uh, in the big Berkshire town. How did, um, how did the property crash of 2008 affect you? Yeah, that was, just, that was a big eye-opening. And one of the biggest lessons I learned in the industry, actually, was, was the 08 crash. Because fortunately, where I was working in Bracknell, we were one of the last places to see that impact. Only by a couple of months, but it hit. And when it hit, it was something that, obviously, I'd never experienced. Whereas my direct competing estate agency manager on the other side, green versus blue, if you like, he had seen it. He was much more experienced than me. And we got our ass kicked for a year. Um, and I took that very, very personally. And it was something where I had to find the answer to that problem. So when you say your ass kicked, what do you mean? Market share, figures. Um, yeah, we'd gone from pretty much market leader doing this month by month. And all of a sudden, we were, we were falling off. We were. Okay, so what took you a year to realise what you had to change? And what did you change? Um, changed the way we talked to the public and stopped focusing so much on the team and being ruthless. And it's an aggressive company that I worked in. So naturally at that age, like we talk about mirroring other people, my influence from above was very much get X, Y, and Z done aggressively. And quickly I learned that that wasn't the, the answer. So I started to become maybe the sort of black sheep of the group and go a slightly different direction in my style of management. Um, and realised people needed to be empowered, they needed to be coached. I really understood the power of learning something, teaching something, rather than just learning something and then just doing it. Um, so my teams were very, very well prepared from that moment onwards, whereas we weren't prepared going into that year. So you're probably, from the, from the leadership, it was very much crack the whip, crack the whip. Yeah. It, you know, you realised that actually you needed a little bit more empathy, a little bit more coaching, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Did you begin to see the results of, of that different style of management and leadership? Massively. And, and that moment when you build dream teams 
you then see those dream teams go off and pretty much now the teams that I built there, if I went back to that company, they're all the branch managers and the area managers now. So from those early days of them coming on board and recruiting trainees to now seeing them with lovely houses, lovely cars, families and branch managers, you can see that it worked. Okay, so you got through the, the, the last property crash because you were more empathetic and you were coaching the team. When did you get made um, leveled up to basically kind of be the day-to-day -day running of the show? So in 2009, I was area manager, took a couple of officers, and then in 2012, I was made director. Still took a couple of officers, but had a director title rather than an area manager yeah. title. Okay. Um, just to keep you happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just, it felt good. Um, and then a couple of years after that, I was made MD in 2015-16, um, end of 2015 going into 2016. And that was where we, we had 10 officers then. When I started, there was five. Um, and my job was to run the sales teams, run them, manage them, problem solve. Uh, look after the marketing department and, and that was kind of my dominant force alongside the, the cross-selling elements of mortgages and conveyancing and, and that type of thing basically. How did it feel that someone in his early to early mid-30s was running a 10-branch network? For me it felt right. I, I, was, I was comfortable with that. I, I liked being more in control rather than a segment of control. Um, but the issue is, is that so was there anyone between you and the branches? Uh, I had an area manager. Okay, so how did how did it that the fact is is that you were almost two or three people away from the branch? That's a different type of management, isn't it? It is a different type of management. It's very goes back to the analytical approach. Is okay. are the right people in the right places? Are the right personalities okay. in the right places? So did that did that turn you into a spreadsheet king? Um, not really a spreadsheet king, but it it turned me into a planner. It turned me into someone that knew okay. this person's in that office for two years and then year three, I'm going to move them there. So okay. go small, learn, go big. And it, it turned me into someone that was planning more like a three-year plan all the time. Again, these are skills that I wouldn't expect someone in his early to mid-30s to be competent at. I took that from Alex Ferguson, believe it or not. We're talking about football, but if you read Alex Ferguson's book, you look at the Manchester United team that was successful. They were evolving every three years. I thought there's something in that. So I did the same thing in a, in a state agency. Climb the ladder, motivate, always have a carrot, always be learning something new, always be excited, and then whip the carpet from out them when they get comfortable and put them into a new zone where they're going to flourish. And that was my management pattern. Everyone knew when it got to the annual review time, Ian's going to make drastic changes, and it just became the norm basically and how did the staff deal with that that the fact is they knew damn well they'd be moved every two or three years some of them like change some of them don't the ones that didn't like change knew that it was coming round, and they were probably frustrated about it and then within a month they were thanking me and saying well done and and we we're up and running so you were 2015 16 17 18 were you like a pig in shit enjoying life you would have had a decent salary, decent car? I would say, from a life perspective, outside of work, yeah, you know, good money, good car, lovely, lovely family. it wasn't your firm, not your firm. No. But basically you were running it on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, yeah. Were you frustrated with anything? Because at the end of the day, it's not as if you're going to be able to buy the firm off the boss, is it? 
the question was asked about being involved more at that level. Um, it was never an option for me, which was probably where the frustration kicked in. I what, there was never an option that you could buy in? Yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to feel part of something. I'm, I talk about that ladder previously, always looking at what's next, and that did, was the next challenge. Did you feel there was almost like a glass ceiling that you couldn't get through? Yes. Do, do, you, do you think if equity had been released, you'd probably still be there? Probably. Yeah, probably. Do you think that's a lesson that a lot of probably estate agency bosses watching this could learn? I think so. I think people need to not do that, include, and you would get better for your business off the back of it. Surely it's better to give or sell, doesn't matter, 20% of your firm away and have 80% of something massive than 100% of something smaller. And I also think a lot of agency bosses haven't been on the ground floor for so long or directly with the staff, directly in the living rooms. The industry has stayed stagnant because of that. They're still running their businesses from how it was in the early 90s, maybe the yep. mid-90s. I know we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail in another video. Mm. So without going into too much detail, because I appreciate there are other parties involved and we have to be aware and sympathetic to the situation. What was the point where you actually thought, do you know, I, I need to change? Because you, you know, we've, we've spoken off camera, you were obviously frustrated. I mean, how was it affecting home life? Uh, home life was affected in a way that I kept saying to my wife, I need the next challenge be it a marathon, be it complete 10 Tough Mudders in a short period of time. I was, I was looking for something to challenge me and I thought it was physically. Okay. I think it was professionally what, what was missing. Were you a bit of a twat to live with at this point? I don't think I've ever been a twat to live with. Um, or my wife would potentially answer that. Um, but no, frustrating. Frustrating, yeah. Were you married at this point? Probably, probably went through marriage at that point, yeah. So, so probably what you're being held with frustrations at home, frustrations at work, it probably affected your your work, your your relationship with your family and every, everyone else, and you took that out on basically being a twat and doing ten marathons in ten days and that sort of. Because you're a bit of a fitness freak, aren't you? Yeah, I was doing physical challenges to make me feel that I had a goal tick box happening because I'd got to the point now where I wasn't able to buy into the business. I climbed as high as I could at MD level, so I couldn't get any more responsibility in reality and I couldn't buy in to have any more involvement. So then I was looking outside of professional to get the next challenge, to get the next result, to get the next tick in the box. Um, and okay. that's just the way I lived at that point. Then you got a bolt out of the blue, didn't you? Yes, I did. A massive bolt out of the blue as well, because you got 16 years worth of your life and you'd built this what you felt was dream teams you would built this consistency and of success within a particular company um started with five officers then was 10 and then bang i got the meeting where i realized that redundancy was about to happen and i did not expect that at all it was a massive slap in the face i've been there exactly where you've been but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Mm -hmm. When did the penny drop? The penny dropped in that meeting. The, the first, very first meeting that I was in, I realised what was happening because 
you'd seen what you'd been doing at that level with other staff when it got to that point. So you knew what was, I knew what was coming, I knew what was happening. Um, did, was it basically faffing about around, but you knew damn well that in a, in a minute you're going to say... Yeah, that the alternative options were jokes, you know, to go from MD to a neg, neg role. You could see what was being offered and therefore you knew what was happening. Hold on a second. You're a MD of a 10 branch network. Your role yeah, was being, was made, being made redundant. Yeah. And we can offer you a next role. Yeah. <laughs> How did that make you feel? So that was a Friday, went home, told my wife, she cried. That made me emotional. So we had an emotional evening. Saturday, woke up, went down into the garage, caused some damage on the boxing bag. I was angry. So I went from sad to angry. Sunday, woke up in the morning in a new frame of mind. Within that space of time, within a new frame of mind, bought a notepad like that and started designing what was coming next. Um, and I, I knew what was going to happen. I knew what, that I was going to go. It was to play the game in the same way it was being played with me, with the business over the next four to six weeks. But there was an end goal of what I decided I, I wanted to do at that point. It was just when that would happen. What was that end goal? To be my own boss. So to run my own business. But you didn't go and run your own business, did no, you? No, no. You ended up working for a, a regional chain. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? I think I'd only ever known one type of agency. So there's two reasons. Financially, I wasn't ready. At the same time of being made redundant, I'd just bought a big house that needed refurbing. I'd got married the year before. So savings had gone into wedding and house. So I wasn't ready to do that yet. And at the same time, I thought, why not go and see what scalability looks like? If I'm going to do it myself, why not go and see that? And go somewhere where I could add value and not feel guilty that potentially I wasn't going to be there indefinitely. Um, of course, so you wouldn't have told that, Matt, but that's not the point, is it? We're all... So you went to work for a large regional chain as a director, area director? Area director, yeah. Okay. That should have been the end of it, shouldn't it? Should have been the end of it. Then got a nasty letter through the post um, to say that I couldn't work there and that I'd breached something within an agreement and without going into the details of it, went for a kind of legal battle which was without question the lowest, hardest point of my professional life I would say. I felt really, really let down um, and a big kick in the nuts at that point. I mean, it's not as if you were nicking their properties, was it? Absolutely not. I was very respectful. When I left, I didn't tap any staff. I left respectfully. I wished all of the people I'd worked with for 10 years good luck with their careers. They're in good hands. They'll be taken care of. There was no negative. There was no slander. There was no clients. There was no data taken. It was very respectful. I made sure of that. So when you got this letter, how did it feel like a knife that was being twisted in you? It felt personal at that point. It felt a little bit personally, a little bit personal before, but I kind of got what was going on. You'd have done the same. I was trying to do this and they were trying to do that. You were a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I got that afterwards. Not in the moment, but afterwards no. I digested it. This now was personal. It was about saying that I would have to work two hours from where I lived. I wouldn't see my daughter because I'd be traveling in the morning, not seeing her before she goes back to bed. It felt very personal. And the way that the letters were written was very personal. So it was a really difficult sort of moment for me. And did that taint your 
memory of the previous film. Yeah, massively. Yeah, yeah. Not the brand, the individuals. It, it, not the brand, not the company. The company and the body of it are people that I'm close with or had been close with. Um, but the way that it was managed, the way that it was run, it felt personal. How was it resolved? I had to walk. I had to walk where, from where I was. I had to leave where I was. Um, sign a letter confirming that I'd handed my resignation in immediately. And that was the end of it. Stop it going to court. Do you think in hindsight, because we're going to come on to a second to talk about the avocado story, Tom Panos says sometimes the, the very best presents are the ones that come poorly wrapped. Yeah. Do you think potentially you could still be at that large regional firm planning your next estate agency model and you could still be there when you hit 40 and you could have been there when you were 45 and still planning because there's plenty of people out there in the state agency land that are planning. Yep. Okay. Do you think in hindsight, even though it felt really shit at the time, it did actually do, it actually forced your hand? I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, not the time, no. but now and a year ago and 18 months ago. And the reason why I think it was the best thing that happened to me is because from 19 to 36, 35, when it happened, I'd had it quite easy. I was always climbing the ladder. I had a good salary and it was quite easy. So I didn't, I was probably naive to the fact that that's never going to happen to me. I'm the golden boy. Um, all of a sudden you get the carpet pulled from within you. You then have to become resourceful. You have to take decisions okay. quickly. You have to learn new skills. Um, and it's scary as well. It's a scary moment. And actually, you bring the best version of yourself. You get yourself back. You go away from being someone's mirror version and you get yourself back. And you really get time to actually reflect on who you want to be. How did you learn that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Where, I always think fitness has a big impact because to be into fitness, you have to be very self-disciplined. Um, and self-discipline is a big thing for me. And I think by going through the uncomfortable challenges of running marathons and things like that, you have a lot of time. It's therapy to me. It's a lot of time to think and work through your problems and solve those issues. Um, so I'm quite quick when there's a problem at finding the answer. I don't take things too emotionally. Um, and I think that... But you are helps. an emotional person. I, you can tell that. Yeah, yeah, I am, I am an emotional person. But I think I'm able to step away from that in the moment to make the decision. And then maybe the emotions come out later on with someone else. Because there's a lot of people, when, when they've got a difficult decision to make, they get too emotional and put the emotion almost gets in the way of their, yeah. of their logical thinking. Yeah. Under pressure, do you remove emotion? And Well, I mean, look at that. You said you went upstairs, you punched the what's name out of the bag, came back down, different man. Yeah, yeah. I know how to fix it. You can't hide the emotions, but I know how to move emotions to one way and get on to the next part very quickly. And then deal with the emotions. Yeah. So, May 2020, I know you did a soft launch a couple of months before. Mm. You set up the big pink one. Yes. The avocado. Yeah, avocado. I must admit, that's one thing that I have just discovered in life in the last year is avocados. I know you've got nothing to do with selling it's avocados. <laughs> Tell you what, I love it. I'm a bit of toast, a <laughs> bit of chilli, oh, a bit of runny egg. Fantastic. Um, the model itself, we're not going to talk about the model too much. You've gone into business with Michael Robson. Mm. 
<laughs> but if you don't mind me saying, from watching the videos, I know he was hoping to be here, but unfortunately he couldn't, is almost not the polar opposite, but you are yin and yang, aren't you? Yeah, very much so. And that, that okay. my brother owns a successful business in marketing. Um, he gave me some solid advice when I'd made the decision I wanted to start on my own. I was saying, this person, this person, this person, people I'd previously worked with, trained and coached. And he said, you're an idiot if you take any of them on. You've taught them everything they know. They've always kind of been at that point behind you. Don't take the same person on. You want someone who's got the skills that you don't have. What skills don't you have? Um, I've always been dominantly in sales. I've done lettings and property management investment, but Mike was Mike was the lettings guy that we were both on the same trajectory in life. There's a year between us, and it made sense to, to put those skills together. So you and Michael used to work with each other then, did you? We did used to work with each other, but funny story, we actually hadn't even spoke for eight years, and out of nowhere, I DM'd him on LinkedIn. And, what, and, and say, do you want to start on the stage, is he? I said, I'm going to go on my own, and do you want to meet for a beer? And he said, yes, and that was it. Because one of the big things that, and we're going to talk about this in, in greater detail in a separate video, is, is, that, is that you, on your because you do a self-employed model, which we're going to talk about later, is that you believe in pairs and duos that, that if you're going to set up a business, go in with someone else. Yeah. You obviously did that by going in with, with Mike. Well, you know, you could have set up by yourself. I think having the support of each other, it helped us fast track where we were today. So it was definitely the right decision. At the time, just going in on your own is quite a scary thing to do. Okay. I mean, what fears did you have? Because you haven't, you know, you've only been at the, other, the large regional chain now for how long? Six months? Six. Uh, I was there for five weeks. Five weeks? Yeah. So hold on a second. You just bought the big house that needed work up. You've got a wedding. You didn't have any savings. And you didn't start the agency for quite a few months. And you had no money, that much money to go forward. Mm -hmm. what, what were your fears? The fears were the family being in the position where I'm going to put them at risk. And that's why my wife is a very supportive person and i talked through with her what i wanted to do and she was the person that said let's actually do it let's go forward with it we sold the big four by four we borrowed some money off parents um to, to make it work to make the option happen um how did it feel going to the parents with with oliver bowl saying can i have some money please at 35 years old after you just got married you got five bed detached house it was pretty shit um, but it was one of those things that fortunately I've got good parents and they were happy to lend me that little bit of money that would make sure, not that I could start the business, but that I was comfortably going to look after the family for X amount of months while I wasn't bringing in a salary. Um, and, and Mike did exactly the same thing, sold his car, um, where he got his money from is up to him. And, and then we decided, right, we knew we had this, this was the pot. The scary element was making sure that daughter, wife, house was going to be okay, but also not knowing. You don't know what you're going into. Um, and going into business with someone that you're not, we weren't friends. We, we knew each other. We were acquaintances. We weren't friends. We didn't go out for drinks. But you hadn't met him for eight years. Yeah. You weren't best buddies, and you basically say that getting into business is almost worse than trying, getting out of a business. It's trying... 
you know what we're saying? <laughs> it could have been a shit show, couldn't it? It, it could have been a shit show very easily. And we did actually say, if it is a shit show, worst case scenario, we just go back to independence and we're solid branch managers on 60 grand a year for the rest of our life, which is the absolute opposite of what we wanted to do. But worst case scenario, we had skills and experience and we had a reputation in the local area that we could have fallen back on something quite comfortably. So it was scary, it was risky, and it could have easily backfired. But the idea was passionate. So you soft opened in May 2020, sorry, March 2020, mm -hmm. and you properly opened in May 2020, just as the housing market just took off. Yes. And now we are in August 2021, which means that you've been going now for 15 months. We don't need to know figures. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, you're doing fucking brilliant. Excuse my French. Thank you. you. Are. <laughs> okay. So we don't need to talk about that. Well done, by the way. Appreciate it. Firstly, what do you put down that success to? And then secondly, which we can do in a follow-up question is, what would you have done differently in the last 15 months? So let's, let's talk about the good stuff. Mm -hmm. The good stuff was, obviously I'm wearing a pink hoodie. We made a decision to be different. We made a decision to go against the grain. And because we were so passionate about that, okay. it meant that we had a path that we could follow that was a little bit our own. Um, but just wearing a pink top don't make you different. No, it doesn't make you different at all. It was a statement of intent to say, there's suits, we're a hoodie. It was a show to the public that we're not just going to say we're different, we're going to make different actions and different statements. Um, we ramped up video. Everything was about client to business owner, relationships, single point of contact. And we told the public across... Sorry, single point of contact. So basically... God forbid, does that mean that the person who actually puts a house on the market does the viewing and then, God forbid, then even does the negotiating and does the offers and then don't even tell me then, hold on a second, you could tell me that the value then does sales progression as well? Fucking hell, excuse me. Even drives down in the morning and picks the keys off off the vendor and then drives down in the afternoon and drops them off to the buyer. Um, mm. oh, oh, that, that, that. It's so simple, isn't it? It's personal agency. I mean, we've had Nick Neal here from UMove. He's a huge believer in that one. Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. Hasn't UMove won loads of awards for customer service? Isn't that interesting? It's funny, isn't it? Um, communication is the biggest complaint in a state yeah. agency. Well, so of course you are. If, you, if the valuer goes round and you never see from them again, and then it's the 21-year-old neg, nothing against 21-year-olds, who then rings up for the price valuation, uh, price reduction because the, over, the value overvalued it to get the business. And, and it goes down to how did we solve that problem? Being a solution guy, being a problem solver, that was what we felt solved that problem. Personal, pers personal estate agent. Yes. Yeah. End to end. Yeah. So that's the big winner. Good marketing and, and basically accountability, end to end, the same person. And right on the line of being um, patronising towards the industry, and opening the public's eyes up to some of the issues and the problems and some of the things that go on in the okay. background. You did it cleverly though, because normally I hate estate agents slagging the competitors off, but I've never spotted something with yours where I've gone, hmm, bit cheese pie or bit crap. So very, very good. What would you have done differently? 
there was a couple of things we, at the beginning where we went into business with certain people that let us down, where they oversold the skill set that they had, um, which is not about agency, it's about a business running. Okay, so that's, that's your self-employed model. Did you start off the self-employed model quite early then? Yeah, as soon as lockdown hit, we went, let's bring it forward, because we actually planned to not do that until a year down the line. We were going to show what we were about, show how we would do it, kick off lettings and sales, and then do that a year later. As soon as lockdown hit and everyone started getting made redundant, we said, let's bring that forward and park lettings for a year. So we flipped it around. Um, what would we have done differently? We'd have known the allies and we'd have known the talent of people that we needed, not estate agents, website people, graphic design, that type of thing. So we, we would have a different uh, power team, if you like, within our business. There's probably a few micro things we'd have done differently, but actually not a huge amount of things. Not a huge amount. We learned, we adapted and evolved. We didn't go into it perfectly. One of the first things I said on LinkedIn was, it's not perfect, it's not the final article, and it's still not now by any stretch of the imagination, but we're going to go in and we're going to adapt and learn and evolve. And, and that's exactly what we've done and we're still doing today. And where will, I, where will we see Avocado in five years' time, in 2026? I would think across the bulk of the country. That's the ambition. Um, the ambition is... That's big. That's big. It has to be. I, I want to hang my boots up when I retire, knowing I've had an impact in the industry positively. And you already have done, though, haven't you? But not on, not on the level that I could do. Okay, but, I mean, that's great. You've got how many, how many partner networks have you got? 22. So is that 22 people or 22? 22, 22 people. So that's 11 at air, because you go in pairs, don't you? Yeah, so there's probably six pairs and then the rest are individual okay which is great at the moment and again we're going to talk about that in greater detail in another video but how are you going to influence that if that's across say even the home counties in in the way that most agents don't do which is the mission the purpose for the business for the brand is very very clear throughout the whole process of the first meet to onboarding okay. to continuing okay. it but you're going to need area managers and people like that and it's all very well and good if I'm Chris Watkin or Chris Botkin, you know that self-employed <laughs> guy that went self-employed. We saw him last yeah, time. Yeah, I did like that video. Okay, not allowed to say that. And um, how are you going to replicate that, that, that they get, so they get the passion? Because not everyone's going to be able to come through you, are they? Um, I think everyone can come through me to a point. Can I do all of the onboarding? down the line, potentially not. Potentially I'll have to bring someone in. But the one way we've built the business is every specialist in different areas, we pay extra for freelance. So the way that we'll build the business is it will be a specialist that will do that when it's right to do it. We're not bringing people in and employing people as such to then go be a version of us, but watered down. We bring specialists in and if they do things What do like you mean bring specialists in? I don't, we don't want in-house marketing teams. We don't want in-house website designers. We don't want in-house onboarders. So from my point of view, I feel that we've built a pattern and a blueprint that works, not just because I'm saying it works and recruiting people, because I've done it myself. Um, and that's, okay. that's the value, I would say. Okay, so I mean, you're 37 years old now, which means you'll only be 42. And you don't seem to be the sort of guy that wants to retire at 50 and go on a desert island because you'll probably wind up your missus and there'll be no, no, no uh, tracks that you could do or, or you know, mm. go running. Um, 
So you, you say you want to make a difference to the estate agency industry. Is it about the money as well? It's about the public. It's not about the money, because if it was all about the money, money's important, but it's not the principle. If it was about the money, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I'd be doing an estate agency office where I know and make a million pound office, and I could do that in three years with my eyes closed. It'd be no problem at all. That's, it's not about that. It, for me, it's about the public. I've been embarrassed for many, many years to introduce myself to someone new. When they ask what you do for a profession, you say you're an estate agent. So the emotional connection for me is to stop that embarrassment. I have to do something. And do you think of. you can do that by basically coming up with the best estate agency model, which is in essence a self-employed model, or whatever it's called, because there that bear basically the estate agents act differently. It isn't all about pink tops. No. Where you take personal responsibility and you take someone from who is who loves the state agency wants to fall in back in love with the state agency but the deal is is that you have to go off in pairs because pairs work and you want to take them um what i'm trying to say on a journey themselves that they want to enjoy the job as well so by definition the people that they serve also absolutely absolutely so it sounds very similar to you move in the fact that you've both got daft names you've both got in fact, both of you got pink and, and green. Do you, so really, you're kind of at the two peas at, at the same pod, aren't you? Very similar, but the difference between the two is they territorize things. And from our perspective, you follow the client. There is no territory. So although you might operate okay. in your village, you, you follow the but Fundamentally, you believe that the, the client is at the center of everything. Enjoy the journey. Take personal responsibility from A to Z and earn some decent money at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And my individual goal going back on that is very much about I want the public to respect what we're doing and to do that we have to do something that is respectable and uh, at most agencies and the way they operate isn't this is to do something that is and that's that's really important to me ian thank you for your time today uh you've been truly inspirational and i hope that you can look back on this video in five or ten years time and be proud of the journey that you have done I hope you boys and girls out there in the state agency land have learned a lot from this. And uh, if you want to watch other, Ian's other videos, please do check them out on my YouTube channel. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Chris.